Hi everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. On today's show, we're talking with Luke, Ethan, Lewis Holden, and James Hutton from the local Eastern Suburbs band, Gully Days. On today's episode, we talk about how the band started, how current legislation is impacting live music, and the importance of the cubes to local board riders. You're listening to Coogee Voice. Live music, it's just a culture in itself and it's so important. It's like, it's kind of a bit of an escape for young people. And here in the eastern suburbs, to be honest, I think a lot of young people are actually just missing out on the fun of it because they haven't really seen it. Personally, I think the people that make the legislation on the issue are a bit naive to reality and the festival is not necessarily a means of promoting drug taking per se. It's more just a place where it becomes more obvious to the authority. So I don't think that there's any sort of correlation between the two. I, I know how I feel specifically that the Cubes are such a special place and really important for a lot of the community down at the beach. They're, I guess they're a place of historical social significance. Guys, welcome to Coogee Voice. Now, you're all born and bred Eastern Suburbs kids. What do you love most about the East? Oh, yeah, I guess um, growing up in the Eastern Suburbs, you've just you obviously got the beach right at your doorstep. All of us here, me, Ethan Lewis, Holden, we've all grown up surfing, I guess. And through that, we've made a whole lot of really great mates. And where did you guys all go to school? Uh, I went to Redham House. I went to Scott's. Yeah, I went to Scott's as well. And Holden, um, our bass player, he goes to Rose Bay. Is there anything that stands out around the eastern suburbs that you love the most? Well, as I said before, just probably being so close to the, the beach, I guess, and getting to surf with all your mates and being around such good people. So, guys, tell us about Gully Days. How did the band start? It was probably early 2019. And I was kind of looking to start to do doing some music. And I was at a party and I, I saw Ethan. I knew he could sing, so I thought I'd go say hi to him. Ethan was pretty shy at the time. He was a, bit, you know, a couple of years younger than me. And I guess around the same time, and I kind of had the intention at the time, oh, I want to start playing a bit of music with this with Ethan over here because I seen him in the surf and he was a good surf. And I was like, yeah, I like this kid. <laughs> and um, and then Lewis, I saw he posted like a little video on his Instagram story about of him playing the drums. I'm like, oh, this, this guy's really good on the drums. I didn't even know because I'd seen Lewis out in the surf and I had no idea that he played any music or anything. So I thought, all right, I'll just give them all a message um, and try and get them all around to my house and we can have a jam and see how things go. And I guess when we all first came around to my house, the thing about art, like playing music, we all came from really different styles of music. I'd played a lot of rock and Ethan, growing up, singing a lot of pop. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, a bit of jazz. And then so it was kind of tricky, I guess, gelling right at the start. It was a bit difficult. But I guess as time went along, we, we kind of, I think we've just been moving along to like... Complimented each other. Yeah. We've all got different ideas. Um, and then in the end, like everything comes together with it, with all our songs, basically. So I think our songs, you can probably tell that, you know, they've got a lot of different genres in them. Um, so yeah, like that's that's sort of what the gully day sound is. So for Coogee Voice listeners who are not familiar with gully days, tell us a little bit about the genre, lyrics. Uh, gu- well, gully days, you'd probably describe it as, I guess, surf, 
rock and we've probably had a bit of an influence from so many different styles as i said because of ethan and lewis's different backgrounds in music yeah. but you'd probably say that it's like a bit of a like a punk sound a rock alternative rock type of sound to a it pop a rock gr- as well pop rock gr- i don't know a bit of everything it's kind of yeah. hard we've been trying to struggling to put it pinpoint it into one genre of music specifically there's been a variety i think a lot of the influence actually my dad always like he loves being a part of it as well coming out every time we rehearse i have to try and get him out of the room it's a bit ridiculous sometimes but yeah he i think he's had his influence with he's come from like a punk rock sort of background so he grew up in canberra playing a lot of music in the punk rock scene in like the 80s so he's obviously been trying to push the punk type of thing on us and we've been yeah just just going with it, I guess. And we're not really trying to go for any particular type of sound. I don't think we looked at any bands previously and, like, we want to be exactly like them. I think it's more about finding our own sound and, like, how we want to be and kind of be original in that way and just do what we think sounds good. And so who writes lyrics? What happens with the songwriting process is usually I, I, I just fiddle around on the guitar at home until I come up with a bunch of chords that I like in particular, like, or a riff, say, for instance. And then I usually take it to Ethan and well, I guess I've written the lyrics to a few songs and Ethan, he writes the lyrics to the majority of songs nowadays. Yeah. And so I take it to Ethan and we put a melody to it and then Ethan just puts, he starts writing lyrics to the songs. So do you want to... How do you write the lyrics? How do I write the lyrics? I just sort of get an idea in my head, whether it be like an image, you know, sometimes I've thought of like the beach or like a cold morning and, you know, like everyone down the beach, you know, big waves or something. And then I just sort of expand from that. And you're like, even with like sort of the range of what I'm singing as well, it sort of goes all together with what lyrics I'm writing. But yeah, I just sort of try to think of, an idea, I guess, about, you know, whether it's about the eastern suburbs, like problems, um, I don't know, just <laughs> surfing, like, and other problems. I, I just sort of expand from that and then see where it takes me, I guess. I guess to expand on the idea of um, problems within the eastern suburbs, I think one of the songs that we first wrote is called Wouldn't Want to Be You, and it's kind of gone off every time we play it live. It seems to get the crowd going the most. And it actually, it's kind of about, it's kind of an attack on like, I guess you could say, obviously the amount of wealth in the eastern suburbs, but maybe I guess like the snobbiness of like some types of people. And that I guess the lyrics, it starts off what they see from afar, from, from over pretentious cars. And it's kind of just like everyone seems to be looking at from afar, not really kind of a bit distant and just in their own in their own space, I guess, and they're more concerned. It's kind of hard to articulate, but just kind of... Con- that's just how I, I, I visioned it when I was writing at the time, like just staring over from their like their posh car from a distance and just in their own world, not really... Yeah, just... Yeah, not yeah. really, yeah. <laughs> so, guys, tell us about the name Gully Days. Getting a name for the band was actually one of the most difficult things for us. Yeah. It took us, like... We only got it at the start of this year and we've been, we played, yeah, we'd been going for a bit before that, but we just hadn't really been sold on any name in particular. Anyway, we like the idea of, um, it's kind of a bit weird, but it was this name Salad Days and that was from, uh, it was from like a Shakespeare, from actually Shakespeare and it was, and it was to do with like being young and like being inexperienced, I guess, and just doing things in the moment. And it was, and it was from Anthony and Cleopatra, I think it was, Something they're describing about 
the youth of a, a character. I can't quite remember. But we'd realised that it had already been extensively used a fair bit. You know, I think it, and Mac the Mario album had been uh, called um, Salad Days and it already, I think there were already other acts called Salad Days and we wanted kind of something just like that hadn't been used before. And that was really hard because everything we seemed to put in on the internet, someone had already taken it. And then an older member from the beach, the president of Bronny Boardwriters, Rob Bruns, was actually like to me, why don't you call yourselves Gully Lords? Growing up in the eastern suburbs, the gully is pretty iconic, I guess. Uh, so we thought, why don't we just take the two and combine them together? So we got gully days. And I guess for everyone in the eastern suburbs, you can kind of go like back in the gully days. And it kind of has the same meaning as what Shakespeare implied. <laughs> It very much also pinpoints the band to Bronte as a part of the Eastern Suburbs. Yeah, definitely. So, guys, changing gears a little bit, uh, lockout laws and legislation around noise restrictions and pubs and bars have been quite controversial and been in the media a significant bit over the last few years. How have these laws impacted your capacity to be able to perform? There's actually legislation out at the moment which are I guess kind of restrictive for us because since we're a four-piece band, uh, we can't. We're not really considered, I think, an acoustic act, is it? And then, so we, so we, for a lot of venues, they have there's different types of licenses. So for some venues, they have a license for the acoustic act, and that and that's pretty. A lot of the venues around here, especially in the eastern suburbs, us being a four-piece band, obviously being quite a loud band, we can't we can't play at those venues. We've got to look for different different venues considering there's not many of them around it's made it difficult for us in the eastern suburbs there's definitely a lack of live music venues you could say we've we've even had to purchase our own pa system you rock up to a venue and a lot of the venues around here all the bowling clubs they've got no they've got no pa system installed so that forced us to buy our own so they've got the space for it but uh they don't have the facilities so that a live band could actually perform in those venues do you guys have a favourite venue in New South Wales? Uh, we've had a couple of good gigs. I'd say one of our favourites in the in the whole of Sydney would have to be Lazy Bones out in Marrickville. But here in the eastern suburbs, I'd have to give it to the Robin Hood. It's just like such a fun venue and it's nice and cosy. And just I think it's right. That's where our first gig was as well. Yeah. <laughs> would you like to see Selena's open back up as a major live venue? Yeah, we definitely would. Obviously, that was, I guess, a bit of an iconic venue for the for the past of the eastern suburbs, which we sadly missed. But yeah, I think as things change, and obviously the like venue managers and venues need to be making profit, I guess. And from what I've heard, Selena's just wasn't profitable, I guess, and so they've had to move it into. I don't know what they're going to replace it with, but hopefully, it's not pokey, but pokey machines. <laughs> Now, there's currently an online petition to the state government, Save Our Stages, and it's about ensuring that the arts and live music are getting financial support through COVID-19. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I definitely agree that it's needed. I think at the moment we've had so many other industries being supported by, I guess, getting given government funding, but pretty much it seems that the music industry is being left behind a bit in that regard. We've got so many small bars, local businesses, and they just, with COVID-19 especially, it's just exacerbating the fact that they can't bring a lot of people into the venue and they can't produce any sort of revenue to make the business profitable in the long run. For us as musicians, it's been increasingly, it's been so difficult just to even play gigs at venues. We've had 
venues during COVID-19, I guess they can't have a huge amount of people coming to their venue. So what we've had to do is we've ended up ticketing our own gigs. And and I guess that's kind of a bit different for what most bands do. We've, we've set up on, online ticketing and it's not like we, we rock up into the venue and expect the venue to pay us or anything, but we have through the online ticketing, we can give the venue a guarantee of the amount of people we want to bring to the gigs. And then there's no risk really for the venue in that regard. So what are you guys' thoughts about how the state government could be better supporting live music? I think at the moment, for venues especially, there seems to be a lot of ambiguity within the legislation. I know for bigger entertainment venues, say for instance, the new public health order, which I think it was the 25th of September, was allowed for the lesser of 50% capacity or 1,000 people to be in those venues. But then that that easing of restriction is only applicable to say for instance major entertainment venues and dance halls but it seems to be that the smaller bars and pubs which really rely on live music and like it is a big part of how they bring in their revenue are being left behind in that regard so there's, there's obviously a huge amount of disparity between what the major the major venues who are able to probably have more of a say in that regard to 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 having their restrictions eased compared to the the smaller venues who are being left out in the in what's in conversation in parliament why is it important that the state government support live music and bands in new south wales live music it's just a culture in itself and it's so important it's like it's kind of a bit of an escape for young people and here in the eastern suburbs to be honest I think a lot of young people are actually just missing out on the fun of it because they haven't really seen it. We first played a gig at the Bronnie Board Riders presentation and none of those kids had ever seen live music in their life. And I've had some of the kids say to me, that was like the most fun, that was the best night I've ever had in my life. I think there's, there's something about live music that's just so special and it's just, and it's a way of bringing people together. It's good for the community in so many ways and it's also, and it's good for supporting local businesses. And that's why I think the state government should really support live music. Lewis and Ethan, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I guess one of the issues that could be overcome would be to make it easier for the venues to get an entertainment license. I think that's one of the reasons that there's sort of a lack of venues out there that we can play at, which consequently leaves a bit of a hole for the live music scene. I think, you know, in the eastern suburbs, it's a great time especially now you know it's not even us you know there's a lot of other bands that are up and coming it, it'd be a great time to you know sort of respect the the music industry more and give some more uh, entertainment venues a license because if there's more venues that we can play at then and for other people then that'll sort of fix the problem so the other thing that's been quite controversial and been in the media a fair bit is around music festivals and in particular the issues of music festivals and drug taking. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Obviously it's quite a controversial issue but I think the people, personally I think the people that make the legislation on the issue are a bit naive to reality and the festival is not necessarily a means of promoting drug taking per se it's more just a place where it becomes more obvious to the authority so i don't think that there's any sort of correlation between the two necessarily but in terms of live music in the same respect i don't think anyone's more likely to take drugs watching live music compared to going to a pub and 
just not watching live music. Changing gears a little bit, what are your guys' thoughts on Bronte Surf Club development and in particular the proposals that are being floated around about the removal of the cubes? Save the cubes. <laughs> uh, obviously, me and myself being a part of um, the Bronte board riders and having spent a significantly, significant amount of time growing up down at Bronte, I, I know how I feel specifically the cubes are such a special place and really important for a lot of the community down at the beach. They're, I guess they're a place of historical social significance in many regards because it's pretty much been the place where each generation of surfers has grown up. They've, we've, we run our local board riders comps out of that area and it's not a big space and it's a public space. Everyone's welcome. So many youth in the area. It's a place where everyone can come down, feel welcome, be a part of something, have a sense of place, a sense of belonging to an area. The recent surf club development proposed that the cubes would uh, be, I guess, relocated to an inferior location across the side of the beach, pretty much at the expense of what you could say a bigger function area for for the surf club. I, I guess it's under the guise of a a beach, uh, the beach safety facility, and I, I'm no means attacking the the surf lifesavers. I, I'm all for the need for beach safety and um, obviously better safety facilities for Bronte, but I just think really what's happening is there's going to be just a, a massive function centre at the top of Bronte and it's going to bring in a huge amount of people. I don't think a function centre is really what we want down at Bronte. We've got a, a such a special community and it's honestly a function centre is probably just going to take away from that. You're going to be bringing in lots of, we're going to have big, probably big weddings there every weekend and it's just not really in the spirit of what the beach is about. From my point of view, because obviously... Pocot's from Bronte, but me and Ethan and Holden are actually from Bondi. And I feel like what Bondi lacks is that sort of community element that Pocot was touching on. Like Bondi's have sort of become a bit over-commercialized, just full of tourists, backpackers, and like that sort of community intimate vibe has sort of been lost in recent years. And I guess that's what the Bronte people fear is coming for them through the building of the new surf club i guess uh covering just the historical significance of the cubes um it's like there was a it's actually a memorial place for a, a rugby league legend and immortal dave brown who played for the roosters i don't know a long time ago pretty much but uh yeah he was an immortal and obviously i uh, people say one of the greatest to play the game of rugby league and so we're going to de- see the destruction of a historical monument in a sense and it's going to it's just I just don't think it's this, the, the developments haven't really aren't really sympathetic to the historical significance and social significance of what that place really means to the community. Now, guys, before I let you go, there's three questions that we ask all of our guests on Could You Voice. You've got to tell us the best beach in the eastern suburbs, the best place to get a coffee, and where sells the best hamburgers. The best beach in the eastern suburbs would have. Obviously, beat Bronte. Ah, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I don't drink coffee. I don't like it. I reckon doesn't it tastes, need it. Yeah, I, don't, I probably don't need it either. I'm pretty hyperactive as it is. Uh, and a best place for a hamburger, honestly, just uh, anywhere not too expensive. Really, that's under <laughs> under ten dollars for right. a burger. Ethan, I want to say Bondi. I do, but 
I might even have to give it to Bronny, you know. <laughs> no, you got to save Bondi. Okay, fine, I'll save Bondi. <laughs> well, Bondi's just, as Lewis said, but no, I, I do spend most of my time at Bondi, surf there, <laughs> and have made, you know, plenty of mates. Coffee, a quick shout out to the depot, um, North Bondi. <laughs> That's right. I live and sort of have grown up getting my nice breakfast meals from there. And then burger. I think a lot of people would say little L's, but I think it's too over-commercialized right now. So I'm going to maybe give it to Bondi Tony's. I've heard they do some nice burgers and, yeah, just a good um, enterprise. Lewis, you're up. Um, Probably, yeah, Bondi has it all in terms of the beach. Like you can go swimming off the rocks 100 metres out. There's people spearing big kingfish. Like where else does that happen? You go surf on its day, Bondi's pumping. You surf the boot, which is a pretty gnarly slab that not many venture out to. You can surf off the icebergs point there, which is at low tide pretty good. Or you can surf Ben Buckler. Oh, yeah. Whereas Bronte really has limited waves in comparison. Probably best coffee, I'd have to say, shuck over the road to my house. Sort of like a new cafe. And it's doing really well with the sort of vibe around my area and best burger probably little l's now guys if people want to learn more about gully days and look up upcoming gigs where should they head to oh, they should head to our facebook page and or instagram our tags are gully days g-u-l-l-y-d-a-y-s get some get some fresh merch yeah get some get yourself some fresh merch we got new t-shirts coming yeah. soon and um Bucket hats and caps. Guys, thank you for joining us on Could You Voice. And to take us out, here is the Gully Day's latest song. You. <laughs>